This episode, we're looking at potential ways to accelerate EV growth through the use of solar. How can this be done? To answer this question and more, I'm again talking to Dunstan Power, Managing Director of Versinetic, a UK-based EV charger development consultancy firm. Hello again, Dunstan. Hi, hi. How are you? Good, thank you. I guess, um, <laughs> welcome back. And you're in the UK, aren't you, at the moment? Cause you do travel yeah, we're away. freezing away. It's supposed to be minus three degrees tomorrow. So um, uh, a bit different to you. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yes, well, welcome back. And this, I guess, since it's so cold over there, we'll talk about solar. How, how do you see solar impacting or developing with EV, EV industry? I think solar is, has become uh, incredibly important. Um uh, in, in the EV industry um, around the world, I mean, particularly in countries that get a lot of sunshine. But even if we just look at the UK, right? So, uh, the I think a UK city gets on average, I think, about 1,000 to 1,500 hours of sunshine a year. Now, if you compare that to an average Australian city, it's sort of up to double that, you know. So, something like Perth, it's, I think, it's about 3,000 hours. But even in the UK, uh, there's been a, a, a big rollout of um, home solar so uh and uh solar farms as well uh through mostly through sort of government incentives but also you know the the eco movement as well people wanting to sort of live off grid now this is prior to cars coming along and then uh, evs coming along and then what's happened is the people the main installation companies were originally uh installers of solar and they've sort of added the ability to uh, install charges is another thing that they do and uh, of course the two thing that you know people who've got solar think well you know if i'm out during the day um or the sun the sun's shining i get paid virtually nothing or nothing for actually returning energy from my panels to the grid so i need loads to power uh when the sun's shining to you know get value for money now initially people looked at heating water and, and, and still do but um if you, you know what better thing to do than to to charge uh, a car effectively there's a dream of you know people being able to basically drive for free if they uh, live in a sunny place have uh, got a good solar array and, and they just leave their cars on charge during the day because like this is the man oh sorry i was gonna say if that if you had the money that would be the, that, the ultimate setup wouldn't it you'd have your solar yeah absolutely yeah, yeah, and, and so you go again looking at Australia, it's between 30 and 40%, depending on which stats you look at, of installed uh, solar PV. Now that's 6% in the UK. So they've got a lot more installations uh, of EV, um, solar, and they've also got a lot more sunshine. So it's sort of a double whammy, which means in, in that country, uh, as in the same as Southern Europe, solar is, is, is a big driver of EV uh, take up because people can see that not only they're getting very cheap driving, they're getting virtually free driving uh, in, in that scenario. And one way I was reading they can do that is with a, a solar canopy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so the solar canopy idea. So in France, um, again, the, the whole of the EU, of course, uh, like uh, the world generally, you know, we're trying to hit uh, carbon reduction targets. And uh, the French have come up with the idea of solar canopies 
uh, mandating solar ca canopy. So what a solar canopy is, is basically if you imagine a, a car park where you've got a sort of carport, which certainly Southern Europe you'd have in, in hot areas anyway, um, to shade vehicles when they're parked up. Uh, well, why not stick solar panels on the top? And then effectively you're doing two things. You're shading the vehicles so they're cooler when people uh, come out to them and they have a lower requirement of faircon when people set off. Um, but also you're generating electricity and you know what better use of that electricity than to have EV chargers installed on those sites um, augmenting uh, an input feed so that you can um, again as, as a commercial landlord of a car park you can basically be charging vehicles getting paid for charging the vehicles but using um, photons to do it and the french have now mandated that uh, car parks uh, large car parks um, all, all are going to have to have basically be covered by um, these um, solar canopies basically so that's that's a, a sort of a new a new uh a new uh, thing from, from the French, but obviously countries with more sunshine than France, like Australia, even better. Because again, French cities, I think it, it's better than the UK, but something like 2,000 hours, I think, versus 3,000 of, of, of sunshine a year. So again, looking at sunny countries like Australia, that is very well suited for um, uh, something similar, basically. Mm. Would that be sort of like a government-funded do you think? Or, yeah, well, I mean, effectively, in, in the French, they've basically sort of mandated it. And um, I'm not totally sure about the, the funding, but I presume there's there's some government uh, incentives for it as well. I mean, another advantage of it is that um, if you've got a large solar canopy, um, you're actually able to provide m more charging capacity when it's uh, sunny um, and reduce your reliance on importing from the grid. So if you've got a good load balancing solution, um, you can um, effectively, you could have a, a, a grid input of a certain value and then you can augment it with solar. And it means that at night time and um, or if it's cloudy, you would have less electricity at hand, but you can balance the charges to effectively only charge with, you know, what they've, they've got. I mean, it's one of the things that our company does is we've got a load balancing controller, basically, for this sort of thing you put on a site. It measures the power coming onto the site, and then it looks at all the loads that um, the EV EV chargers are using and can basically balance so that you, you never exceed the, the site limit. So yeah, I think I, I imagine, you know, people will be watching grid companies in other countries will be watching how that trial in France goes, how, how, how that's a, well, it's not a trial. I mean, it's a mandate, but how that mandate works out, because as I said, in Southern Europe and, and um, in hot countries, it's, it's a really great combination. And I'm just, Sort of that sort of ties into that sort of growth in the vehicle to vehicle to grid. Um, yeah, so there's been a, a lot of talk about vehicle to grid for years and um, different views on it. So the, just to talk about it, so basically vehicle to grid is where um, vehicles have the ability to uh, not only take energy in, but also to output energy. So it allows you effectively to use your car as a, a big battery sat on your drive and you know in theory you can charge your car cheaply off solar or at night say you've got a variable um, 
available tariff say that's cheaper at night you could charge your car uh cheaply at night and then power your house from it during the day um so that's in its most basic form um the issue main issue with vehicles grid has been the uh lack of take up by the vehicle manufacturers and um however there are some new cars uh with it so i think the latest renault's got it the japanese uh the nissan leaf has had it for a long time but we, what we've seen in our company is that actually where there's more of the latent demand for it is actually in more commercial applications so if you've got so a good example would be if you've got waste trucks that basically just do the rounds in the morning effectively sat sat there the rest of the day um and they've got large read uh batteries in them these can be used to effectively charge at a low uh, low cost time and then dump energy back in the other thing about vehicles a grid is effectively you know in theory cars are able to share their energy to other cars so uh you could have an array of cars where you know full cars are charging charging empty cars and effectively being paid i don't see this as a near future thing this is a sort of a long way off but there's a lot of potential with it uh, once it's embraced more by the uh the uh, vehicle oems yeah because and vehicle to load that's just that you just sort of charge off how is that different from vehicle to grid? yeah so vehicle to load is out so like if you look at the uh ionic Hyundai Ionic 5 and Ionic 6 and the Kia EV6. I'm sure there's other cars. They've got vehicles to load, which is like basically they've just got sockets in the car and you can actually plug an appliance. You can plug a fridge directly into an Ionic 5 and it will just run your fridge. So you can imagine driving out for a picnic or camping or something like that and then powering site appliances from it. So effectively, there's a, an inverter inside the vehicle, which is actually taking the battery dc voltage turning it into an ac mains voltage and allowing you to to plug light loading i mean vehicle to grid can work it could work on a, a dc way so you could have dc in and, and uh dc out um so that that's basically the difference you haven't got that ac inversion going on um turning it into an ac ac load so a vehicle to grid charger is, would be a is a, a dc charger typically okay that's interesting um, maybe you talk about since we're still on the start of the year, the, the new year. What you got? A, you got your crystal ball out and looking forward to <laughs> looking, looking into the, this coming year. Yeah. EV well, EV wise, yeah. Well, I think um, you can already see. I think uh, you know the industry is maturing, basically. On the in on the uh, EV front itself, uh, we've seen BYD overtaking Tesla and uh, pushing out. Uh, into foreign markets more and um, of course this is a big threat to uh, particularly in European uh, car manufacturers so BYD is still a much smaller company than say Volkswagen is but in terms of EV sales they're they're significantly bigger and Gradually, what's happening is, I mean, the the proportion of EVs that are being sold uh, in some countries was at high in 2022, some it was in 2023. There's been a bit of pushback recently. Um, High energy prices have fluctuated. There's been sort of negative publicity. You know, there's basically pushback from the fossil fuel and the um, sort of petrol car industry against EVs. But the reality is, is that people are buying them and they are making up 
anything between sort of in Europe any anywhere between sort of ten and eighty percent of new car sales, depending on the country. That means that those cars are not only entering the market, but of course second-hand EVs are, ent are entering the market, and that's probably the the more significant change because there's been a real lack of stock of second-hand EVs. As that second-hand market grows, you know we're seeing effectively more and more EVs on the road and that's the focus now is i think on infrastructure so the main thing stopping people buying evs are typically range anxiety price of evs and lack of chargers basically so if you can imagine if there are chargers everywhere then people wouldn't need to have range anxiety what we're seeing is you know there's cheaper evs coming onto the market there's more second-hand EVs coming onto the market. So effectively, EVs are becoming more affordable. They're still expensive as new cars, but they're, they're getting more affordable. I, I feel that the, the, the emphasis now has switched more onto lack of public charging infrastructure. So this is particularly challenging for people who don't have off-street parking and they, they're very reliant on public charges. I see this year on the, on the EV front, Chinese becoming more dominant on the charger front, more pressure on governments to um, to to get cats to play catch up on on installation. You know, some probably some more quite interesting models. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how the Cybertruck does in the US because it's obviously quite an unusual uh, looking vehicle. Definitely going to be an acquired taste. But you know, I think to be fair to Tesla. He's doing what he did at the start, you know, uh, when he entered the market, EVs were, you know, milk floats, basically. <laughs> I mean, he made EVs um, a sexy, high-performance vehicle from something that was just seen as a as a ner nerdy vehicle. He's rocking it again because he's trying to uh, tackle the sort of SUV 4x4, you know, that market with something which is, uh, you know, macho can drive through anything you know it's not my cup of tea but you know i'm all for companies doing something a bit different and shaking the market up rather than just producing bland vehicles that um you know meet bland sort of me too vehicles and i sort of feel if tesla want to stay ahead and, and want to stay ahead of sort of particularly the sort of chinese competition that's really what they're going to have to be doing and 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 other manufacturers with um sort of um big brands they need to basically not just produce a, a me too car that is just a a euro box is one of the names yeah thing we call them over here you know that um there's definitely a big place for those but if that's all you produce you're just going to find you lose all your market mm. yeah let me just I, on that oh sorry no, I was going to say, just sort of prediction on the charger front. I mean, I think that there's going to be a shakeout in uh, with EV charger companies. We've got a lot of people, a lot of companies badging Chinese chargers. They're holding out the bottom of the market in terms of price. Again, it's similar to cars. You know, uh, Europe, the European charger companies, American ones, are going to need to focus on quality, performance, and I think the people who are just rebadging. Chinese boxes or or wrapping their motherboards in plastic or you know just doing bland things I, I think a lot of those companies are just going to 
go out of business, not necessarily go bust, but just sort of withdraw from the market because there's too many of them and they don't have any particular USP, basically. Yeah. Well, in this sort of that charger thing about, um, you know, just follow the Facebook groups and one of the common problems is the, you know, the charges I've turned up and it's broken. So charge reliability is like a massive issue. It's a focus, government focus here. Um, they government's mandated. I have no idea how they plan to enforce this. It's a sort of 99% uptime on charges now. Some of the towns in the UK, the, the uptime's 70%, 70, 80, you know, it's really poor. And uh, I think you talk to any EV driver, they will have driven up to charges that are out of order, um, particularly uh, uh, fast charges. Um, I've been told, I was in a conversation with uh, a company that makes them recently and they were telling me that in the, certainly the UK, and this may not apply in a hotter country, but the main problems with condensation um, and, and water dripping within the charger, basically. I can imagine overheating is probably a big issue as well, particularly in hotter climates. So there's also communication problems, things like you know, network issues, meaning that the charger works, but you can't actually get on it to make a payment. I've, I've personally experienced that. Uh, and then vandalism as well. So uh, where there's cables that aren't put back properly or they stay on the ground, they get damaged. And those those cables are very expensive, uh, typically called cables. Uh, there's a whole host of reasons. But I, I, I sort of feel with time, you know, a lot of these, as I said, the industry is still very immature. I think a lot of these issues are just going to, like every industry, uh, are just going to get improved by design. I mean, if you, you, you know, if you think how far the com industry's come in the last 10 years and, you know, you look how old the automotive industry as a whole, you know, there's a lot of a lot of work to do and a lot of this just comes down to good design practices and uh, evolution. I'm imagining, you know, you go skip forward five to 10 years, a lot of these issues are gonna be things that, in the same way, cars used to be really unreliable. I think my parents' generation, you know, <laughs> there was this whole, you know, when you set off on a journey, you were never totally sure you were gonna get there because <laughs> the car might, you know, the car might break down on the way, you know. I certainly remember sitting in the car in the rain with my dad under the bonnet trying to get, you know, get it, get the car started on, on journeys and, um, Cars, of course, that's, you know, particularly with Japanese um, uh, car manufacturing, raising the quality bar, that, that you know, came a thing in the past. Well, I see the same thing is going to happen with um, chargers and um, uh, we just need to have a bit of patience in the meantime. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. easy to say. It's not easy when you're stuck in the rain at a charger that isn't working that you're relying on in the middle of winter. But uh, yeah. Yeah, and maybe just what have you got coming up? You're you're coming back to Australia soon, aren't you? Yeah, so um, uh, so Versinetic is uh, going to be at the uh, Everything Electric show. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to be at the uh, at that show, and um, we've got a few new things on the stand. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on a couple of panels as well. Uh, I was uh, one about vehicle to grid, and then one just about design uh just you know designing uh products so yeah i'm really looking forward to it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it last year it was really busy loads of people loads of cars loads of really good buzz it was a very optimistic i felt it was a very optimistic show um with a really good vibe to it um so yeah i'd certainly encourage anyone who can get there to, to get to it because it's it's uh it's really it's really great mm, that's good 
Uh, any sort of maybe sort of summing up on solar you wanted to cover off um yeah just think i think solar you know it's gone from being a sort of niche thing that um would like only one or two companies supported to being pretty much a uh a, a standard in smart chargers now i think you know certainly we we supply um charge components to quite a few companies you know very early on it's like oh well we need to have solar and um integration that was a few years ago so um there's a lot of choice now if you want to uh integrate solar lots there's quite a lot of ways of doing it and uh sadly you know if anybody's at the show wants to discuss it i probably waffle on about it all day really. <laughs> uh but yeah the idea of being able to drive for free based on uh sun from your panels is uh extremely appealing and far more practical in a sunny country than uh, it is in one that's sort of a northern European cloudy one. But even, even here, it's um, there's still a lot of people doing it. Even in Scotland? The, the, the... Even in Scotland, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's a good point to finish on. Um, yeah. well, thanks very much, Dunstan, and I'll see you in Australia. Yeah, well, I very much hope so. Yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. All right, cheers, Adrian. Thank you. Okay.